Last week on the Glass Cannon Podcast. Should we detonate the bomb then? The party debated a nuclear option. It is an explosion of terrifying power that could very well destroy the entire uh, engine level above you as well as the the rocky base of the castle. But the risks outweighed the rewards. You could wipe out a lot of the giants. Maybe it would kill everybody in the castle. It might kill you as well, but let's say you had enough time to phase out of there. It could also land on fucking True Now. You know, it could land on a town like a True Now. Meanwhile, two wandering heroes. Until the Storm Tyrant ceases his advance upon this world, you, Sir Willamette of Highbury, need to work every waking hour if we are to survive. It is seen. I know. I know. It is seen. Encountered an old ally. Not long ago. I met a dwarf named Ashbeak and found that our purposes aligned. The adventure continues. While Gilboth is no more, Noxymara lives. <laughs> no. Glass Cannon Podcast. I'm your best Troy. Troy. <laughs> your best Troy. <laughs> he is the, the best, best Troy available. Best version of yourself best. today. <laughs> best Troy ever gonna get. Guess our best wasn't good enough. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say. I'm your best friend, Troy. I think that's what I was trying to say. I'm your best Troy. <laughs> it would friend. Be, I, th- I think it'd be better if we had Counselor Troy from Star Trek. That's yeah. true. She seems slightly more sympathetic. Than certainly, yeah. would be healthier for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> she was fictional. That's a good point. That does, uh, it does add a level of difficulty to getting her on our podcast. <laughs> I want to. I want to open today's episode talking about the real reason that people listen to our show: a frank discussion about the concept of unwritten rules. I want to talk about Skid's feelings on the unwritten rules of baseball. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love the unwritten rules of baseball. I do, too. I assume he shares all of his opinions with Tony La Russa. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're coming under fire as of late because the, the new generation uh, of like beat reporters who are just like dudes with blogs are like, you know what? If you hit a home run. You should be able to pimp it without taking one on the chin next game. Uh, so I'm really interested to hear Skid. Because Skid's an old-fashioned guy, but he, he keeps up with the, with the new iteration of the game. What do you think? Do you like it? Do you like uh, the old unwritten You know, rules? I used to. When I, that was a big part of the appeal of baseball for me, uh, especially growing up. And when I started to get into it in the late 80s, there was this big revival. It's just like, this is what uh, America used to be like. It's just like, this is an old uh, the American game, and this is, you know, the tradition and everything. But as I get older, I realize how limiting that is. Mm. And, you know, for a lot of people in this country, the old way of doing things wasn't so great. <laughs> so it's like, I, I and I, you know, I think of something like, was it... Uh, Batista, Jose Batista uh, in the playoffs for the Blue Jays like a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. he hit that home run and he had the most epic bat flip of all time. (laughs) And it was amazing. 
it was like fuck yeah like that was awesome not for rangers fans <laughs> joey oh, bats right. can go to hell <laughs> <That's> okay, <laughs> right. Just, like the sheer rotation of that back foot was was awe-inspiring yeah yeah it was like a crescendo <laughs> it was like an orchestral crescendo crescendo and that was the kind of thing that you could use to sell baseball to more people yeah. rather than just aging rapidly aging white people like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm all for doing away now. I'm I'm all for, and especially like some of the stuff that's coming up lately. It's like wow, some of these rules are really stupid. They're stupid. <laughs> They're yeah. really dumb. So you know, th- th- this is it's really come to a crescendo as of late because there was uh, I think it was a Twins White Sox game and the Twins were at the point where they like had used up too many pitchers and so they had a position player in just throwing meatballs. I saw this. And yeah. it was it was a three zero pitch and the White Sox were up by a billion runs. So three zero pitch, you're taken all the way and the White Sox guy just hammered. <laughs> Yes! An 82 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> I think no, it was 43. Oh, yeah. It was like an EFAS pitch. Barely, it was like a first pitch. It barely crossed the plate. It's like if I was just playing catch, soft yeah. pitch, and he just throws it, and there would have been a strike, and the guy just crushes it. <laughs> and the next day, they threw right at him, and people were like, What do you want to do? Don't throw that pitch. His own teammates were like, yeah, they were right to throw at him. His own manager was just like, yeah, I support it. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You can kill someone with a baseball. Right. <laughs> a guy died. Poor Kevin Pillar took one out in the, in the, on the I Mets, know. Our, the our own Mets, uh, Kevin Pillar. But uh, yeah, it's just like you're supposed to pretend. You, Carl Mays killed a man <laughs> with, a, with a pitch in, in 1919, I think. That can happen again. Yeah. Especially with guys throwing 100 miles an hour, like everyone throwing 100 miles an hour. It's like, come on. Yeah, but you're not, I don't think you're ever supposed to throw at their head. You're just throw supposed to throw at them at all. Them. Sometimes they do, though. They, but that's their, no, yeah. I know, I know. But that's not, that's not necessarily part of the unwritten yeah, but rules the, of baseball. It's just like give them a bang. I've seen guys hit them get on the back. thrown at because they're crowding the plate. It's just, I mean, that happens yeah. all the well, time. That's, that's but like, that's going right at your head. Get off my fucking plate. Because I want to be able to pitch inside to you. Like Ricky Henderson used to just lean <laughs> over the plate. Yeah. And that's why he got beamed more than anyone in history. Uh, Don Baylor, actually. That's Baylor, the record for most, most being hit by pitch. Leaned into it. There's also not 100% accuracy when you're throwing these balls. That's the thing, too. They can too. slip yeah. out of hand and hit someone in the head really easy. Guys miss their spots all the time. I and mean, we can't all be Mookie Wilson dodging around those things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are, sound like a bunch of softies. I didn't know that you were going down this road. <laughs> Look, people, everyone is throwing 98 miles an hour now. Yeah, that's true. Everyone's throwing 100 mile, uh, 98 miles an hour. And the balls are more compact. Well, nicer they're not. But even still, it's 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 I was, the unwritten rules of baseball I like are are less about <laughs> less about bodily harm and more like the like don't walk in front of the catcher or the umpire like that the kind of like Oh, etic- that kind of stuff. That kind of like field. sportsmanship yeah. kind of stuff. I'm all for that. I like that. What about not walking over the pitcher's mound? Apparently, I just like actually I do kind of like that because I was like watching the pitchers freak out about it. Was yeah. it Dallas Braden that got really mad at A Rod a hundred years oh, ago? Oh yeah, and then he threw the no hitter like a, a couple weeks after that. <laughs> like doesn't walk on my mouth. Yeah, and he's and, so and, and, yeah, A-Rod, It was the A Rod reverse curse because he got mad at A Rod and everyone's like, "Who is this guy?" And then the next time he went out, he threw a no hitter. <laughs> Yeah, this has been sports talk. <laughs> yeah. That's well, why people tune in is for this kind of stuff. My segue is what What are the unwritten rules of Pathfinder? Because I would argue that there are just as many unwritten rules. You're just not going to wear one. Uh, I'm not going to hum a die at Joe's head if he. Uh, if, <laughs> well, I don't. I, well, you know what? Rule. It sounds like Joe would be in favor, though. I think <laughs> yeah, you should true. institute that unwritten rule. Zoom. 
I, I, I support it, says Joe. <laughs> That's a little different. That's a little different. That's different because it's me. <laughs> I think the unwritten rules, like in Skid's case, is like if his character gets grappled, then the next round he commits suicide as his character. That's right. His character just kills himself. My character takes like his own life. So if you, as the GM, want to grapple him, that's fine. That's you fine. can do that. Just be aware. But get ready to start writing new story because that character's dead instantly in the next round. Here's one that just came to me. is like, uh, if uh, I'm going to do a perception check and you like, oh, fucking three, uh, 11, and you know you fail it, somebody else being like, I would also like to do a perception <laughs> check. I feel like it's not rural. You just you're not supposed to do that. Well, yeah. th- that one I. Well, it's mean, called metagaming. Yeah. It's, it's meta- it is it metagaming. is metagaming, but also at the same time it, it pretend. I mean, like I feel like one player will sometimes roll a perception check just to save us all from being like yeah. perception check, perception check, perception check. Yeah. Right, right. Whereas like we're all looking around. <laughs> right. That, that just we're not like in the in in the world of the game designated one person to look around. Only for you stuff. may look ahead right. to yeah. where we're going. Well, the rest the, of us are going to check our phones. <laughs> <laughs> so the GM is often like I need to get this info out. Does anybody else yeah. want to roll a perception yeah. check? Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of unwritten rules and they pr- yeah, I think Joe, they they probably all kind of pertain to, to metagaming. Metagaming is not, fine. Not all of them. There are things. It's about each table. I think it's about you have unwritten rules of your table and your group. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things like you know this as a GM. There's certain, you look at an encounter and you come to the table and you're like, I'm really this is going to piss off Joe, and like I'm going to have to figure out a way to keep him interested. When he's immediately paralyzed and, <laughs> or panicked, right? Or panicked. or panicked. And so the unwritten rule is just don't do it. Just <laughs> let my character roam free. <laughs> Wind in his hand. Yeah. Free range rebuttal. character. <laughs> no, I, just a big one that happens to me that always drives me crazy is uh, characters who make rogues who like to steal from the party and they think it makes them edgy. Like it's, yeah. it's like, Come on, man. We're all fighting the same boss at the end of this book. Could you not steal that potion and try to sell it for 50 gold? Drives me crazy. Or the, yeah, the unwritten rule. It's like, my character wouldn't do that. I am not going to follow up on this mission. I'm going to go hide in that bush and yeah. meditate. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, wait, can you just play the game? <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the key, like Grant was saying, is like you can, playing an evil or a sociopathic character or whatever, but if you, if you can do that, but it's on you to find a way to be that and still be able to contribute to the party. I think it just strains credulity of the rest of the party to be like, yeah, why are we hanging out with this person? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you have to provide value. Otherwise, why are you there? You know, a lot of unwritten rules. We don't even know the regular rules. Yeah, we don't know the written written ones. ones. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We think we know sometimes. Other times we admit we don't. Sometimes we we remember it and then forget it four minutes later. That's right. And there's five of us. (laughs) And no one says, hey, wait a minute. Didn't we just say (laughs) free access don't work like that? Just say that? (laughs) (laughs) That's called getting old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah, apologies. (laughs) Have we all applied the, uh, what, aged template? Is that what it is for Pathfinder? (laughs) Well, man, these last uh, few weeks, Matthew, you may not like the Marsha 300, but it is hot. It is red hot. Hot I'm, March. I'm glad you brought this up. I have some. I have. I have a bone to pick with. You oh, look who has Uh-oh. a bone! All of a sudden, put that I, away. I don't mind milestones. <laughs> I'm just going to move on from that. <laughs> I don't yeah, mind milestones. Look at that little guy. I just don't <laughs> particularly care for the automatic assignment of milestones to certain even numbers. Okay. 
So you'd rather have the march to 191 because 191 was the exact damage that killed four bears, and now it's special. Sure. You like that better than the march to 300? Well, it has meaning. But I think, but don't you believe like centennials, like hundreds are, are important? Sure. I mean, like they're good. They're, again, I don't have a problem with milestones. I just want the, I just want the milestone to have inherent meaning. It does. 300 episodes has inherent meaning. Well, meaning. For me. After one, that, you can't put any more episodes on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Can't do it. Huge, so there huge you go. milestone. There's your so milestone. There is a good milestone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like. Hope you me, wrap up the story. <laughs> That's it. My brain actually would prefer multiples of 52 because that, that would be the years of years of content we've been creating as opposed to just. Oh, one. that gets so nasty after a couple of years when you start two, four, eight, twelve. Oh. Right. Yeah. It's a march to 104. That's also Gross. confusing for people trying to keep track of why we're marking certain numbers as important <laughs> when they don't, on, on first glance, seem to be. Not to mention those of us that follow the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> <laughs> the Julian calendar. The Julian calendar. <laughs> so year milestones do matter? Like, yeah, does my, five years brain. of ma- marriage matter than four years of marriage? Well, I guess that doesn't Yeah, is this all just a way for... I mean, but, like, I, like I, it's I a 10th really anniversary mean. more special than a 11th anniversary. I mean, yeah, because I've been conditioned to appreciate, the, you know, the metric system. Do you not celebrate? Is this all just a uh, cheap way of you not buying anniversary gifts for your wife? And now you're, using, you're using this as it's a like, way of like, see, honey, I don't celebrate any months. Right. I don't celebrate again. Valentine's Day like we've discussed many times. Again, I do. I have no problem with milestones. It's just the arbitrary expectation that they must be even numbers ending in zero. Oh, it's your birthday, honey. Good for you. My, my, <laughs> yeah. it's as if it's, it's as if I'm oh, it's your 40? Bir- oh, well, that's just it's this arbitrary number ending in zero. Like, I'm not going to take you to Belize. Well, that's a multiple of 10. That my, that, so again, people can invest their own meaning in milestones, and that's fine. That's it's true. But I just think that the general consensus among most people is that big round numbers, we tend to attribute meaning to them. Yes. Why so it's, it's an unwritten rule, we might prime say. numbers. Because we don't do that. <laughs> you can do it. Can we're do just it. acknowledging the fact that everyone else on earth does it this way. Yes. That's all we're doing. And if you don't celebrate Skid and my 50th birthday like you should, then you're, you're out of the network. Can when are you turning 50, Troy? In eight years. I'll be there. Seven and a half. I can't guarantee that. That's no, you can't guarantee that. I could be that. dead. You'll probably be there for my 50th, assuming I make it. <laughs> I will be. There is a pandemic. <laughs> Matthew brings up a good point, though, uh, which I'm loath to Thank say. Thank you, Grant. I'm loath to say it, though, Matthew. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. Around the 260 mark, and I know we have that interesting beginning where we released three episodes on week one. Did we celebrate five full years? Because around 310, 3, 312 is 52 times six. So, I, you know, it was probably like 315, 316, where we're actually at six years of this podcast. You know, that's a good yeah. point. So. When the, does what, this the f- app come out? This but we released three episodes on the first day, oh, that's what too, I mean. right? Wait, is, so. this two, is today two, 281? Yeah. yeah. Next week is our six-year anniversary. 282 oh. comes out on the 15th. Oh, oh get out of here. Oh, great. Okay. Now I got next week's opening banter all set. There you go. Actually, and I want to say, like, the most meaningful milestone for me in this podcast are when we, end, when we conclude a book. Because the, nice the story yeah. hits a... Like, that, that, that feels more a, meaningful that, to me. For sure. That's more meaningful, but... When in room. Let's talk about... It's also about pacing. (laughs) Because if you're going to do episodes like episode 100 and like episode 200 
And like episode 250, <laughs> you have to pace them. You can't have those too often, but you also don't want to go too long without them. And that, to me, is the milestone. And you can't just It's a milestone for them. an epic story-spanning episode where you look at everything. You can't pace them based on the Fibonacci sequence or whatever else. <laughs> you have to have a set, a set figure. In you mind. know what? If we did do that inadvertently or advertently and someone were to figure that out, they would be a true that would be fan. Some, a true fan. That'd be some alias-level shit. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, last week, we had a, a nice little uh, side sesh. With some old friends. A little guy by the name of Sir Willamette Keswick. <laughs> Another fella we've met a few times, Adriel Ashpeak. We also saw Shiel and, and Kat Benatar, and, and we, we saw their journey. It's been a, it seems like it's been a harrowing journey ever since. Kat uh, Benatar and Journey? Wait, what did I miss? <laughs> yes, we did an 80s revival. Are they opening for Billy Joel? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Joel's playing Billy the Joel. cathedral. <laughs> it's, it's the newest initiative to to uh, bring more people to Minderhall's no. Valley. You, they, they're yeah. doing a, con, a summer concert, <laughs> festival, Minderhall's Valley festival. It's the <laughs> Madison Square Garden of this area. <laughs> just like giants rolling, like carrying porta potties. Yeah, just like, like giant setting speakers. Them down. And, Oh, man, uh, you see I love when, that idea. Do you see when Hendrix played the steps of Minderhall's Cathedral? <laughs> <laughs> I have the album. Oh, it's such a great he, he did album. I got a bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> he did the national anthem. It lasted 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, we hadn't seen these characters since uh, Seknavali in episode 250 when um, they met up with the ghost of Gormley, Galabras, and... Uh, and they, those two disappeared. Haven't seen them in a while. Um, it was actually the, the the summoning ritual of of Gormley uh, back back into back into our campaign. They left, and so they've been traveling for a while. And we got to see a little bit of their journey, and then they get to Minderhall's Cathedral. And the whole while, Adriel is like having these visions and these feelings that seem to be perhaps connected to um, what our main party is doing. It's unclear and and. It's clear that Farron is having similar visions as well as she looks into the fires of the forge. And so you guys, uh, Sir Will and Adriel, go to the top of the tower. Back on this old map I love. I haven't populated it with any uh, pawns, but I just wanted to take you back to what these rooms look like. And you're back up on that, oh, man. On that broken tower where you fought the, uh, the red dragon where Sir Will almost finished off Della. Um, And as you're up there trying to commune with the spirits, a voice comes out of nowhere and speaks to you, Adriel. Calls you child of Kilpoth, son of the mountain. Claims to have heard your cries. She also says she knew your patron, They weren't friends. They didn't fight over mates, but they respected each other's territory. For this voice, their domain was the Stormspear Mountains, and for Kilpoth, it was Ash Peak. The voice then goes on to say that they met another Ash Peak not long ago, and that Ash Peak and his companions went and wiped out an entire encampment of giants that was in league with a common enemy of yours, Adriel. Also told you that Kilpoth is no more. 
but Naximara lives. This voice continues. You're like, you don't see anything. You don't see any dragon. Is it in your head? Sir Will, you hear this too. Really? Mm-hmm. All of this. Whoa. Whoa. You're looking around and you see nothing. You heard movement in the wind. The voice continues. We are all connected in this. Are you an Aspeak as well? I am of the mountain. Somehow connected through blood and time to Baron Red Heart Ashpeak. So you are an ally of this other Ashpeak and his followers who seek to destroy the self-proclaimed storm tyrant. I am a a custodian of the great machine that awakens against the tyrant's progress into the small folk's land. Yes, we are all connected, as you say. Then perhaps we are allies as well. (laughs) And suddenly, nearby, a form begins to materialize that of a huge red <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes <laughs> Shit. I have the uh, the artwork which I don't think you guys ever saw uh, on roll 20 I'm excited about this looks like wow <laughs> just how sharp the armor is on her her scales Very are like pointy. a rose uh, covered in thorns it's like so distinctive and she's got kind of badass Dragon Ball Z Goku hair out of her scales <laughs> on the top she's gone super saiyan oh no I can't see is her. she a she you said they didn't she, fight over yeah. okay yeah and she's got some sort of bracer around her arm I there. was just noticing that yeah it's decorative <laughs> don't don't make her go away I can't see her yet I'll leave her up for you uh wow the, the, the minute she appears, the biting cold atop the spire completely dissipates. And now you see why as you stare at the hot furnace deep within her throat. Sir Will, you immediately sense the presence of chaotic evil. Yeah. It's a red fucking dragon that killed your family, but you now know that your hatred of dragons has been misplaced as it was Brander all along in the form of a dragon. Your whole life you've hated, feared them. That's hard to let go. Yeah, he's looking up as this dragon materializes and the wind is blowing his longer now hair into his eyes and, and uh, he just slowly reaches up towards his neck and he touches his, the dragon foe amulet. It's around his neck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just breathes deeply and looks intently at right at the creature's eyes. Oh, man. I can, I can picture this yeah. so yeah. clear. This tiny halfling just standing up. This huge dragon just in the air above him, and he knows. What's he going to do? She unleashes a breath weapon. Everybody roll a reflex. <laughs> <laughs> he was reaching for an ambulance. <laughs> Keep your hands where I can see them! <laughs> Surprise me. 
Surprise round. Uh, she looks at both of you now, and you see her huge, mechanically huge, flying. Uh, no, on on the top of the perched spire. on the top of the spire. Oh, man. Oh. Like, I could just see the stone like cracking. Yeah, with, like, yeah, the like, creaking <laughs> under under her weight. Oh, love it. Even though I still can't see her, <laughs> she's still up. Do it again, Troy. If, if he's on roll twenty, just yeah, do the, it might do it be. It's it's funny. One time. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's wow. awesome. <laughs> oh God. It's also got that perfect mix of like red and gold. Yes. Yeah. That just makes it look. Yeah. You know, that. Oh, it's just a real chromatic dragon feel. Very awesome. classy. Very, Very classy. classy. Very classy. She's just perched there. And she says, if your purpose is aligned with this other ash peak, then join me and we will turn the tide of a battle that began centuries ago when my great ancestor, Belgroth, was imprisoned in the orb of dragonkind. <laughs> Will will call out in, into the air, into the blowing wind. The sheriff, the one you met at the, the base of the mountain, he lives. It's a question. Do you know? I believe so. They have infiltrated the Storm Tyrant's castle. Will's eyes go wide. I have studied my enemy for some time now. It is my belief, has always been my belief, that I cannot come within 100 miles of this storm tyrant without frisking falling victim to his orb and succumb to its power just as Akazareth has. However, I cannot stand idly by any longer now that his final plans for domination are underway. While his armies have been depleted and his top generals destroyed, he has grown more desperate. My eyes and the skies tell me that his desperation has made him more dangerous than he ever was before. Do not think that just because the stone giants, frost giants, and fire giants have been momentarily defeated, that he is weak. His anger makes him more powerful than ever, and he must be destroyed with all haste. As the blood of Belgoroth flows through me, I believe that I have the power to destroy this orb and free my ancestor, sparing all red dragons from the shackles of enslavement by giants or any other lesser creatures. cool to think that like she sees giants as lesser yeah, creatures. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I love that. But if we aid you in this, what what will you do with your newfound freedom? Again, the wind blowing in his hair. How can we trust that you will not turn your powers against us? 
You are far greater and more powerful than those than those who seek to defeat the giants. Do you not think that in defeating Volstice, you too will end up with unimaginable power? Why should I not fear what you would do? Because I am bound by an oath, an oath of justice and faith. I do not seek to subjugate anyone. You, however, I can sense the fire burning within you, the desire to break all shackles of law. It gives me pause, great dragon. That is all. Oaths break like trees against the storm. You yourself could be corrupted by this power. And you think to yourself how in this very spot, not long ago, you almost became overcame, overcome by a a desire to just end Della for her dabbling with demon's blood. Not anymore. He calls up to her, his voice strengthening. I have seen it. I have seen the great power that evil can unleash, and I have seen its subtle, devious ways. I have drank from the grail of evil, tasted its bitter flavor, and spit it out upon the ground. No more will I be swayed. My faith is renewed and restored, and Iomade will break any temptation that comes my way. Fear not. My oath will never break. And what about you, Ashpeak? Where does your heart lie in this great war? In this moment, the incredible sense of loss and emptiness pervades all of Adriel. Because Kilpoth being gone, dead presumably, it's like losing one of the most powerful entities on the entire planet, but also like the Library of Alexandria and several other wonders of the world burning down at once when a dragon ends. And silver dragons, by contrast, are brave bastions of good, honor, um, everything that a, that a red dragon is mm-hmm. not. Um, so, Canabras was the, the ruler of Canabras and the world wounds, the silver dragon. Yeah, not, not a ruler, but like a protector. Protector, protector yeah, yeah. an overseer, yeah. yeah. And they're lawful good, right? Or are they I, neutral good, silver dragons? Are they I think they're neutral good. Gold dragons are lawful good. Oh, okay. I, silver dragons, I can't remember. but yeah. So in that moment, Adriel kind of leaves the twin flames at his side and stares into the maw of Noximara, where a flame also burns, much like the magma inside of Ash Peak, where he first learned his oracular gifts. Kilpath was unable to have any children, which is why she took an interest in raising me and the rest of the dwarves on Ash Peak. Even though she may have been in opposition to many of your aims, it is... My duty to free dragonkind for your influence and the rest of their influence on Galarian is kept in balance and is currently 
out of balance with Volstice's touch. Her seed lives on, though, within myself and within the teachings I have passed to Sir Will. I have seen him grow stronger, forged by the trials and tribulations we have faced on the road, and believe that moving forward he will prove more consequential than ever. I will aid you, Noximara. And you, Aveling, know this. The past is done, and our futures are uncertain. But my desire is to stop the subjugation of my kind. Surely someone as small as yourself can understand this desire. That I can. And I agree with Adriel. He has been wise and advised me in many things. I can feel it. Your fear. And I feel it as well. This force we face, neither of us can do it alone. And so I agree. We shall unite to defeat this tyrant and see peace restored in Avistan. Good. Then let's get to work. This is what I know. There is an energy field that surrounds the Flying Keep. An energy field powered by several magics we will have to resist. But my eyes have informed me that there are holes in this field as well. Holes from the meteorite Volstice used when he attacked the hall to take it for himself. Hmm. Hmm. Holy shit. He has meteorite material just like Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my god, this is enormous. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if that is a piece of the puzzle as to why that bomb was in the ducks. Maybe it's a leftover from that inv- that invasion. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Go 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 on. Go on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we will get one chance. And one chance only to breach the castle's many defenses. If your friends live, if this other Ashpeak lives, you must find them with all haste. Should I withstand the power that Volstice wields, I will quickly transform into a creature they will not suspect. You must use all of your magics to increase my chance to resist the orb and then pray to your gods that they choose to protect you this day. (laughs) So she's basically saying you need to help buff her against the power of the orb. Buffs to her will save protection against wind, protection against elements, altitude... That's the plan. <laughs> Noxymar is just an annoying player at the table. <laughs> yeah. Buffs. Sounds like Dahlgren. Before we go in, can I just get some buffs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a red... I'm a, a, 
<laughs> red dragon must need a little help. Yeah. How, how many taps we got left on that wand? She says. <laughs> I'm a red dragon. It's an unwritten rule of Pathfinder. You don't buff red dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And if someone could increase my armor. <laughs> Pretty most. How much party gold do we have? <laughs> Laying around. <laughs> you will be sharing XP with me for now. <laughs> um, oh, geez. Uh, all right. So, Sir so Will will be like, I, I shall pray on it. I have been... Adriel has been working with me to fine-tune my spell-casting abilities to increase the connection I have with my goddess. I think I am very close, and I just need... I need time to pray. If you could grant me that, I may be able to find the spells we need. Yes. That is most wise, though time is of the essence. As I said, we may only have one chance. Hmm. Um, yeah, so basically what I'm saying uh, is that Sir Will has got access to these spells, but I don't, you know, I don't really know, I don't really know this character that well, <laughs> mechanically at this stage. And um, Sir Will. Yeah, and I just need to dig into the paladin spells a little bit better. I mean, like, can a chaotic evil dragon benefit from protection from evil? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that would at least help uh, it from the mind control yeah. of the orb. I, I, I guess. See why not. I think so, yeah. I don't think you have to not be evil to receive the spell protection. Yeah, and um, just being around me is going to grant it a huge bonus on uh, on mind control or charm effects. It's going to get the, the roll twice, you know, if it fails the first one, basically. Why? Why? Uh, not roll twice. Oh, uh, well... Um, Isn't it like you get another saving throw? No, no, you're throw? immune. You're, you get another saving throw if you already have it. If you're already under control. Ah, right, right. Oh. I mean, you're immune to mind control. Receives oh, another. oh, from the spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Obviously, you don't know the powers of the orb, but that could... Uh, that could help. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, when you're around a paladin, it buffs your saving throws, typically, uh, for things like fear and, I think, mind control. So, um, weird, this comes up a lot more in 2E, but, like, is it anathema for you to even do this to the dragon? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't believe so. Not for <laughs> anathema. Anathema. Sorry, I say anathema. Um, I, 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 I always say it wrong, too. Yeah, I had an, an anathema. I went to anathema university. Yeah. I, uh, I feel uh, like, no, I don't think it is, because I believe that the uh, paladins of Iomidae, that especially ones like Sir Will that have been to the world wound and have you know, lost family in the world wound, like, they sort of know that, like, you got to cross that line sometimes. I mean, that's why he even adventured with Nestor in the first place. Um, to use those powers to fight a common enemy uh, for a greater good is, I don't think, uh, anathema. Yeah. Here's what... Anathema. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. You looked right at me like I was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, Joe. We'll cut it. We'll cut um, it. <laughs> Adriel can bring channel vigor to the table, which gives you a plus six will save. If you channel it to your spirit. Oh, wow. But it only lasts for 15 rounds. 
So, like, I don't know if you, like, are you set up, like, at Cape Canaveral, ready to rocket directly into the flying castle and we're underneath it? Like, Yeah, it's tricky. Like, you know, she she said that she's feared getting within 100 miles because she thinks he could just unleash it. And that's the thing, Sir Will. You You know this is a major artifact. Protection from evil, you might as well toss it on there. But this, it's possible it might just break through it. You definitely want to throw the kitchen sink on her just in case. Um, uh, so the one of the ones I was thinking of is the uh, the Aura of Resolve, um, which uh, allows each ally within 10 feet of the Paladin to get a plus four morale bonus on saving throws against charm effects. Mm. So I don't know if that... That could help. But in certain, with Baron, yeah, like uh, with Adriel, rather, you just know, like, as you feel like you're getting close, you might want to lay that on and, and hope for the best. But this is a powerful, powerful artifact. And you brought up... Uh... It dominated multiple ancient dragons. Yeah, is this a little... I, I worry this is a little bit like uh, bringing the Grail Diary to the castle yeah. in Austria. You know, yeah. <laughs> my son would be that She's stupid. Never be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> sure, but you're also talking about, like, there's no other way. <laughs> you know, we have to, like, Sir Will feels like if the sheriff is alive and in the castle... And that tyrant is more powerful than ever without his generals because he's unhinged. Then, like, Sir Will feels like he has to take any risk necessary to get there. You're not going to get many chances to charter a helicopter right. like this. Uh, this is a general statement for our lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have protection, but I thought, when's the next time I'm going to be in Haiti? <laughs> Bad idea, Gene. Bad idea, Gene. <laughs> but yeah, knowing the whole spell list, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and the only thing I can think of, you brought up like saves against wind and buffing that type of stuff. The only thing I can think of is life bubble. But you know. Yeah, it's more to protect yourselves than her. She's yeah. going to be fine. But you know that, like, as she gets higher, searching for this castle, you're going to have to deal with with alt- altitude problems. So let's not overthink it. You, you, you do what you can do. Uh, you know, she's magical a magical beast, too. She probably gets protection of evil on herself. Um, uh, Sir Will already knows that Adriel can cast Wind Walk, which allows you to last hours, and you can move like the wind at 60 miles an hour. So, like, mm-hmm. if something were to go down, you know, surface-to-air missiles go off and take out Noxymara <laughs> on our way to the castle, we'd be able to, like, turn into wind and fly there, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could also be a thing if, if you know, Noxymar needs to get us 100 miles away and this thing lasts for hours and we can move 60 miles an hour. We can fly, like, from her back 100 miles off. That'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. The, the question is, is what are these other protections? She knows there's a ton of magical energy surrounding the castle. There are holes, but what else are you going to encounter? There are also plenty of things that might be helpful that uh, are not a part of Adriel's spell list. So if we can get access to scrolls somehow, you know, that might help. So yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I feel like we're in a situation where, like, we can't, we don't know. You know what I mean? If we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. Like, we could spend a half an hour of this episode trying <laughs> to guess and prepare for it and then just be totally wrong. It's a, right. such a huge waste of time. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's a very, 
it's like if without any intel if there was a way to gain intel then like i think we would pursue that if there isn't then we just have to go yeah well uh there is unfortunately yeah. but you'll 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 hope for the best you've told me protection from evil you told me this plus six if you're able to cast it within 15 rounds of 15 rounds yeah, 90 seconds um, I mean, that's gonna give her like a plus 28 will save or something yeah, but I, I feel like Troy is just not saying that we're focusing on one thing when there's like other stuff. But I don't know what that other stuff is that the right. shield. Does. I mean, like, I could just not like like dispel flying or something. I mean, obviously it's a dragon; you're not dispelling flying. But um, what if we tried to fly in individually? Does it dispel magic immediately? You know, is it an anti-magic field, and then we just fall out of the sky? Uh, little things like that. I, I just don't know what to expect. I'm happy to cast blindness, deafness on Noxymara if it helps. <laughs> <laughs> Power word blind. On uh, you well, don't want to hear what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> See no evil, hear no evil. Um, Thank me later. Do you say goodbye the next day before you, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to spend the night prepare whatever spells you think you want to prepare and then like are you just going to leave or are you going to say goodbye not even spend the night just spend eight hours resting yeah definitely going to rest and and look look at you know just try to look at spells i guess i don't know man this is like a multi this is big troy yeah you should have prepared us for this because this is like a multi-hour thing Sure, because I could prepare anything from the spell list, mm-hmm. and I don't know what they all do. Yeah, and unfortunately, Noxymara, while she has eyes on the skies, uh, knows only slightly more than you do. Uh, I mean, Adriel, at least, uh, the benefit of being an oracle is that he's kind of stuck with a spell list uh, for tomorrow, so... Right. Um, all right, well, you say goodbye to everybody. We don't have to play it all out. Yeah, yeah, let's get going. Fantastic. So she went out hunting for the night or the day while you were resting. <laughs> she went out to just grab some sheep. Um, and she comes back. You know, you put your protections on that you want to put your air bubble, your life bubble, whatever. And she, as you mount her back, you must leave the wolf. not an option can he climb stairs actually actually it is an option wait really yep (laughs) I think so I I think so joking about (laughs) a a callback from episode 83 just kidding you finally give him what he wants and he's not happy this is why we always say no to you Troy Good, the wolf shall be my dinner. <laughs> now I have the energy to fly. Now I have protection. Just like blood and bone just shattering. <laughs> like a dog with a raw steak. <laughs> now I have the quick wolf energy I need oh. for that long flight. Adriel sees this happen and just says, My work here is done. <laughs> All right, now I can fly. <laughs> Wait, you really want to leave Lexington behind? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I don't really know this character, but I'm pretty sure 
You don't need Lexington. My anymore. plan is going to work. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for me. All right. Uh, I mean, if this goes, can't right, wait to read the boards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for it not to work, and then you'd be stranded on that castle with no Lexington. And then I can't wait, wait to read the boards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you you say what do you say to old Lexi before you jump on this dragon, red dragon's back, your lifelong enemy, a chaotic yeah. evil red dragon. He kneels down next to Lexington. He just says, Lexington, take good care of those that come to the cathedral while I'm gone. It should not be long, but I will need you directly. Be ready for battle, my friend. Adriel has trained us well. It is time to put our training to the test. I will see you in the Sky Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Lexington just looks at you like, I I don't speak English. <laughs> I, this know, is just said. Um, I actually love like picturing you guys flying off and leaving Lexington alone on the crumbling roof of this tower <laughs> yes. and just like, oh, just howling yeah. like, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, you that. can totally uh, picture it. So many yeah. badass images from this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Adriel, so we'll just mount up and uh, just... <laughs> She starts lifting up and then boom goes invisible. So Lexington, when she goes invisible, that's when the howl happened because he just saw his master. Yeah. Is it night? Is it nighttime or daytime? Uh, No, it's it's. Well, you know what? I guess it would be night approaching because you guys uh, had stayed up until like I think it was four in the morning ish, five in the morning when she appeared. Yeah. yeah. So then you had to rest eight hours. So it's uh, late afternoon. Oh, so Uh, the sun is setting in the the horizon. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. against the like rising moon. Silhouetted, you see Lexington howling into the coming night. Yep, and it's totally dark on the ground and at the base of the tower. But like this, like bright orange light is still at the top of the tower, and the and the red dragon is bright and brightly lit by it when it uh, raises into the sky, flashing, glittering off its off its uh, (laughs) off its red scales. Overhead shot of the tower, and you see the giant anvil of Minderhall still uh, still standing atop the crumbling tower. Uh, and yes. you just take <laughs> off into the sky. Yes! <laughs> it's not long before you break cloud cover and you just spend the better part of the day searching the skies. I mean, she has a sense of, of things based on these these eyes in the sky she's spoken of, but like she's she's just looking and listening and maybe communicating with, with certain things. Where did you last spot the castle? I never saw it fly. When last my eyes told me of it, it was moored in Ash Peak. Hmm. Okay. But it has since taken off, raised into the sky. Yes. I believe it is traveling north. What its destination is, I know not. But we shall search between Ashpeak and all points north. She's just yelling to you across over the wind, <laughs> howling behind you. Awesome. Adriel's totally relaxed, by the way, because he's flown on Kielpas back before. So he oh, is man. just like in the oracular network with the two twin flames on either side of him just burning away. And he's searching for the castle in his mind's eye cool. as they're flying. You're like Wonder Woman in her invisible jet, too, yeah. right now, on this exactly. invisible dragon. 
Troy uh-huh. said no to my lasso of truth, though. It's a real shit. <laughs> You're out. Can't do it. Uh, this is good searching for the castle music. Um, so you're, you're traveling for hours looking, and it's getting later. The sun dips below the horizon, and, and darkness is approaching. The wind around you is getting stronger and stronger as the night wind rolls in. Eventually, you pass through a patch of clouds, and you see something in the distance that should not be there. <laughs> Oh my God! Maybe you feel a little tension in the back of Noximara because she's known for a long time about this power that Volstice holds, a power strong enough to imprison her ancestor and a power strong enough to imprison other uh, dragons of her kind. It's just a fear. Dra- a dragon of her, of her importance would almost never know any fear at all. Right. Like this is going to be the one, one of the very few handful of things on, in the entirety of the world that she might fear. And it's just forming this unlikely alliance with a dwarf and a halfling, hoping that this gambit will be the one that pays off. <laughs> and you start to approach, and sure enough, you see that dot in the distance looks like a flying cloud castle. <laughs> you see Iron Cloud Keep! I don't even know if you have heard of this because they, the the main party, heard about Ironcloud Keep uh, probably at a time when Sir Will wasn't with the party, when Adriel, uh, you know, wasn't really up to speed on things. I don't know what you know. Adriel has certainly seen things in his vision, and now, Adriel, you see this, and you're like, this is what I've seen. I didn't know necessarily what it was. Part of me knew, and now there it is. That's not what he says. He says... It is seen. It is seen. <laughs> what did you say? Uh, Noximara just like picks up speed and starts oh, flying forward. And as she does, I feel like I'm in How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now. Just like, totally. Hold on tight. It's yeah. a wind cutting through your face. Ah, uh, toothless, buddy. Ah, <laughs> uh, toothless. On, toothless. She picks up speed, but as she approaches the castle, something starts to change, and you feel the winds around you take on a force that isn't just convenient. It is hurricane force winds start picking up. It must be part of the protections of the castle, and you all just kind of clench down, and you can tell that even Noximara is struggling to fight against these wings. All of a sudden, a lightning bolt streaks across the sky, <laughs> narrowly missing Naximara's torso. Hold on. She lifts her head up, and as she flies, she spreads her massive wings out so as to protect you against the buffeting of the wings. And even she is fighting against this invisible force, and suddenly... She cries out, and you all feel it too. This great power starts to overcome all of you. This feeling of sickening repulsion as you near the castle. Everybody roll a will save. Oh, oh shit. Uh, I don't don't have to roll those. No, no, you guys are good. (laughs) Is it a a fear effect? Is it a a charm effect? Is it a... I will tell you what uh, it is. It is a... It is an abjuration spell, so no, it is not okay. charm. Okay. Unless I'm misreading it here. Will save, you say? 
Uh, yes, Wilson. Oh, God. Thank God it's finally a poison spell or spell-like ability because that gives me the plus two I need to achieve. It is, oh. it is not a poison spell. Well, you know what? It it's is a spell-like spell. ability. Yes, it is a spell. It's a spell. That's it's right. a spell. You said I, it was exaggeration. You said, said it was a spell. When you said poison, like, <laughs> is that a poison? It's not poison. It falls into the list. I got a 28. 28. Oh. What'd you get, Sir Oh, Will? God. My first roll is Sir Will. Oh, this is no. horrible. Good thing you didn't bring lessons. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, 25. Okay, so this sickening feeling of repulsion hits all of you, and Noximara starts to, like, slow down from it. But her momentum is carrying her forward, and you don't know... Something doesn't feel right. Let me put it that way. The speed with which she was traveling has slowed. Is it the wind? Is it this effect? You all... There's a, for a moment, you want to, like, jump off. You get that sink, uh, sinking feeling... Like, like at the top of a roller coaster? Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. I've got a plane, uh, like, hits an air pocket. And, yes, yeah. yes. But all of a sudden, you seem to get <laughs> through this, although you are moving slower, and the winds start to slow down as well. You think to yourself, have you perhaps breached the hole in the magical energy field? Because now the winds have completely stopped around you. There's just the normal wind, but she's moving very, very strangely. And then suddenly... A huge ballista bolt flies past Whoa, whoa. And then seconds later, artillery! Another one, and she's invisible, mind you. Another one comes through and boom, hits Noximara right square in the chest. She cries out, blood gushing out from where this ballista caught her right between her wing and her upper shoulder. She cries out, There are guardians on the platforms. They can see through our invisibility. Do not let go. This is our moment. You look down and there's just blood gushing out of her open wound. She can't even take a moment to try and pull this bolt out. It's Sir deep, Will. deep within her flesh. And all this, you know what I mean? He just like closes his eyes for a moment and it's just sort of like silent in his own head. And he just whispers, I am a day. Guide our journey. <laughs> Heal our mount. And he's going to do lay on hands on Noximara as, as he's flying on her back. Lay your grace to this creature of evil. Yes, please, if it be your will, guide us in this. Uh, oh, uh, and he does... 23 points of healing. Oh, 23 And would stop any bleed effect if she was bleeding. Right, so you see the the bleed ceases immediately and the wound starts closing up around the edge of the uh, bolt. Adriel, you think now is as good a time as any to drop that spell. In a show of power of a 15th level oracle, Adriel reaches into the scales of Noximaro, casts channel vigor on her, reaches out to Sir Will, casts channel vigor on him, (laughs) casts channel vigor on himself, and then he reaches down and casts heal on the dragon. Immediately restoring 150 hit points. (laughs) (laughs) The bolt comes shooting out of her with the force (laughs) of the heal. Get out of here, Bolt! Get out of here, you son of a gun! As the wound closes up so rapidly over it. Bolt rockets back into the guy who shot him. (laughs) Kills the entire, uh, all three of the giants on the platform. Uh, She dips down and now is just dive-bombing at the castle. It's getting closer and closer and closer. She says, we must make for the spire and then fly! And then, I need to roll some saves. Oh, 
Oh, all fuck. of a sudden, it's just like, well, let me roll the saves. But you know, you're getting a bonus from Channel V. Getting a bonus, and I know protection from evil. And if it's a different type of will save, you can change the Channel Vigor to give you the uh, uh, bonus, uh, at least on will saves, fortitude saves, you can also do. I should have Joe roll this, but I'm going to roll it. <laughs> We must make for the spire and then fly. And then all of a sudden it's like that. It's it's a sound effect often used in movies that sort of like, you know, that like, not the scratching of the record, but like, Noxymara cuts off mid-sentence and her eyes just glaze over. You can see those huge eyes. Oh, there's nothing, Stay with us! There's nothing but a, a deep purple inky darkness where the pupil and oh, whites of her eyes once were. In a flash, her tail comes up, grabs Adriel by the waist, and just flings him off of her back <sighs> over, oh! the, over there. Sir Will, you just whoop, see Adriel disappear oh, into the no. clouds. Adriel! Noximara then violently turns in the air like an alligator doing a death roll, and you're flung off as well. You're flying through the air with nothing but clouds around you. Time slows down for you, as they always say it does moments before what you assume is your death. After all this time, you become overwhelmed by the irony of it all, that you will perish at the same hands of the creature that you've hated your whole life. You look up for a moment and just see Noxymara spinning and disappearing in the clouds. Your life flashes in front of your eyes. You think of your time with the Knights of Ozum. You think of that moment you met everyone outside Clamor in True Now and you feel like you finally found your place in the world when you met them. You think about being imprisoned by your brother, being rescued by everyone, but watching Highbury burn to the ground, your ancestral home. It feels like a lifetime goes by in mere seconds until... Wham! The ground comes up to meet you. Oh my God. You open your eyes. And you see that you are on an empty platform, (gasps) inches away from the edge. And you look behind you, and there are stairs leading up to a door. (laughs) What? (laughs) Blessed Inheritor, you guided me here. And we'll see you next week. Oh, man. Oh, that was fucking great. That was cool. That was cool. (laughs) That was good. Oh. He's back, baby! He's back, baby! The Glass Cannon Podcast is a Glass Cannon Network production and is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Giant Slayer is copyright 2015. Giant Slayer and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. 
This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.